uh, open your phones if you have them or need them. Uh, and a few things as we jump in yet, yeah, please do fill out these prayer cards. Um, there's a lot of prayer requests and ups and downs in people's lives. And so we want to be at a place where we don't fake the funk, but we're honest. We're doing that in life communities. We're beginning to pray that God will continue to grow us towards that end, um, doing it in the men's and women's time. Um, but there's a lot of, like a lot of exciting things, but in this season, there's also a lot of hurting dynamics. And so, um, the way that you deal with hurt and pain and dynamics like that is to walk in the light with God's people. Right? The enemy loves to wreak havoc when it's in isolation and in darkness. Um, and it's in those places, actually, where deceit can creep into our lives. Right? And so that's part of the thing about what Galatians 6 talks about when it says, if any of you is caught up in any transgression, that word caught up is kind of like bamboozled, like it, it kind of crept up on you, and before you know it, you're engaging in it, right? And so if anybody is caught up in any transgression, let he who is spiritual restore him. Here's the thing. That assumes that you're in the body of Christ functionally. One of the, one of the lies of the enemy that comes in is let me promote individualism. And then what happens is it turns into the James chapter 3 selfish ambition, understanding of wisdom. And we make decisions outside of the wisdom. And we're going to get into that next week about how do you make decisions in the will of God. Right? What does that look like, right? Because we're going to get foundation today and there next time. Um, but what happens is that in isolation, you seek one's own desire and it's cloaked under spirituality. It's cloaked under Jesus' language with deceit action. And you don't see it because you're outside of the body. Does that make sense? You meaning like, just a minute, like a euphemistic, like this is why for us body life is so important, right? Like we are a part of identifying, discerning how are one another doing. That's why covenant community is we're covenanting to say, I don't, my purpose in church is not coming and then like not having anything to do with it. Being a disciple is being in a covenant community where I recognize, man, my brother or sister are hurting. I'm going to go help them, right? I see that they're kind of bugging out. Let me go speak into their lives, right, with humility. Does this make sense? Discipleship doesn't happen without that, okay? So just so y'all know, like, as we, as we are growing to be rooted, rootedness happens in the body of Christ in community. Being rooted, that's at least biblical rootedness, all right? Does that make sense? And so I want to encourage us with that is engage life communities um, uh, as you jump into this week. Um, so let's go ahead and stand and we're going to read the word of God. As you are standing, I did want to highlight as we are engaging in Black History Month. Um, does anybody know Dr. Tony Evans? Y'all, this is like, this is legacy this is decades of his work. He, he put out a study Bible with all his notes from decades of faithful ministry and speaking against the isms of the world and trying to herald the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is decades right here. And so I wanted to highlight him. He has a commentary as well as a study Bible. So we just want a part of our way to honor that legacy is if you can go buy it, <laughs> support that. Right, um, because God has done incredible stuff and continues to, and He is the spiritual father of my spiritual father. So, all the more reason that you benefit, we benefit from His legacy. All right, and so, anyways, just wanted to highlight Him 
there, as well as as we jump into the message for today in the passage, I wanted to highlight two resources. How many of y'all ask the question, how, how do I make decisions? How do I know the will of God? How do I work out purpose in my life? How do I understand what my purpose is? Has anybody ever asked that question in their life? Yeah, it's the, probably one of the most common questions that we think through and ask, right, as believers. And so we're going to do kind of a two-part rooted in gospel purpose. We're going to do this week as we jump in to foundational purpose. And then next week we're going to do, as I'll explain, the outworking. But over these next two weeks, I wanted to put your attention to some resources here. Um, this is decision-making and the will of God. If you are an avid reader, this is one of the definitive resources in this particular understanding of decision-making the will of God. So you can grab the thick one by Gary Friesen, or you could do this one that is a similar understanding called Just Do Something. All right, And it is a liberating approach to finding God's will. Amen? Sometimes it gets so confusing how to try to find God's will. Right? It's a sense about like, okay, like, let me try to find it. And before we know it, we're trying to find his will versus finding who his son is making us to be. So we'll get into that today. But anyways, so I wanted to put that. This is a good resource to grab, but we'll be walking through this kind of stuff even next week. All right. Does that make sense? All right. So let's go ahead and stand and read God's word together. We are going to be in Romans 8, 28 through 30. Let's go ahead and yes, some hand claps for this passage. Let's go ahead and read together, family. One, two, three. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Amen. The word of the Lord. Our spiritual tattoo is God's foundational purpose for your life is to conform you into the image of his son. Did you grab that? Let's read that together. God's foundational purpose for your life is to conform you into the image of his son. Father, thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, you would be glorified. Lord, your word uh, is what it says it is, how you describe it. It's the very word of God. And I pray in Jesus' mighty name that today, Lord God, you would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Give me the grace to make your word clear, Father. Give me the grace to make this task of delivering your word, Lord God, for which I will be held accountable and for which your hearers will be held accountable to how, what we do with this word. May this not be a trite exercise where we just go through the motions, but Lord, we believe that your word speaks today. And may we be like the church of Thessalonica where um, the, the text says that they received the word of God for what it really was, the word of God. And so God, I pray that you would destroy strongholds of, of selfish pursuit, Lord, or selfish ambition that is just coming, asking God, I just need you to endorse my agenda. Sometimes, Lord, you don't come in just to uh, affirm things. Sometimes you need to take over shop to rebuild what you want to affirm for our good and for your glory. And so I just pray that you would do that today. I pray, Lord God, we think about as we have uh, just L.A. is a big weekend for L.A. and a lot of things going on and a lot, of, a lot of distractions. I pray that even your people, Lord God, those that are traveling, um, those that are sick, those that are hurting, that you would just zoom them in by your grace and by your spirit into your, your desires 
for us today and for your people as we engage your word and engage the different things you have before us today. We love you, King. We thank you, Lord, for bringing Luz's dad out of the ICU again, Lord. We thank you that you give grace and travel. We thank you, Lord God, that you're continually strengthening your church in China, Lord God. I pray that you would strengthen your church. I can't even imagine what it is for believers to say, how do I go with wisdom but also love those who are sick? We pray for the doctors, Lord God, that you give them the grace. We pray, Lord God, that you open up the hearts and minds of many within China. And won't you continue to do that here where we desperately need a move of your spirit. So we humbly come today and ask that you would uproot any sense of stubbornness. That we might receive the implanted word, able to transform us and bring hope again in areas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, let's put that, do we have the picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa here? So, you, has anybody seen this Leaning Tower before? Y'all heard about this? Okay, so the Leaning Tower of Pisa is in Italy, in Pisa specifically. And the interesting thing about the Leaning Tower of Pisa is uh, it, it began construction in the 12th century, and it took 200 years for this project to be completed. It's interesting, though, it had a bunch of delays because the resources and because wars that were going on, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that's fascinating about the, about the Tower of Pisa is that the, the foundation was built, that first uh, foundation and floor. And so then what happened is they began, when they went back to build the second floor, they began to notice that the foundation was actually, as you can see, it was shifting and it was becoming uneven. So what did they do? They took the second floor, and you can see it going on. They made certain sides longer than the others to try to rectify the tilt that was happening on the tower. And so the tower, their way of saying the intended purpose of this tower is to be a straight tower that is going upward to be a great appearance. And yet what happened is the more that it tilted and went more and more away from its intended purpose, their solution was simply to try to tweak the tower. And the more that they try to tweak the tower to say, we have to build this great tower, this tower has to be an image, the more they did that, it says during the history as they rectify it, it actually made things worse. So the more they were doing that, so it got to the point in 1990 where they realized this thing is about to fall. Right? It's, it's, it's at the place where it's about to fall. So they commissioned 13 engineers, world-renowned engineers, to say we had to figure out the problem about what's going on with this tower. Because in the past, to rectify it, it clearly didn't work just to simply change the shape of the tower. So what they found out was deep down underneath the ground, there was an issue with the soil. The soil is kind of, it, it was too spongy and it wasn't drilled deep enough. And so what was happening, they found, is that the tower, because it was like imagine on a sponge with weights on it, eventually that sponge is going to give in some direction. And that's what was happening. And so what they ended up giving is they, they had to dig out the dirt on the side that was there in order to protect and preserve the tower. And so it's interesting that for so long, for 800 years, they were thinking the solution to the tilt to try to rectify the distorted purpose was just to change the tower. But they finally began to realize that it was the foundation of the ground that needed to be addressed. 
And until they addressed the foundation of the ground, there was no hope to make the tower sustainable. Are you following me? And this is what, what often happens is that we often try to find purpose in the tower we're building in our lives. Okay, we, we chase after so many external things in an attempt to find purpose, only to find that at some point the tower is going to lean and threaten to fall. Something in us is going to fall on that as we go in that pursuit. This kind of stuff happens all the time, and then here's what happens. We begin to ask God, isn't that your purpose for me? You can imagine them saying, our purpose is to build this tower, so let's curve it upward because that's our purpose. But as this tower is looking more and more tweaked and crooked, they forgot to actually address that the foundation had to be assessed and addressed in order for the tower to sustain for a type of purpose. And so, it, so here's the thing for us. If we define our purpose in activities, jobs, relationships, or career, there is no guarantee that you will even be walking in God's purpose in your life in those areas. So if we define this is what it is to be the tower, if they did not address this, this would fall. Okay? So he, he's saying be careful. There are, there's an understanding of, of purpose that can fall if our foundation is not addressed as believers, okay? And so here's what he says. He goes, in other words, if you take the outworking of purpose and make it the central definition of purpose, then you can easily drift from God-ordained purpose, okay? Let me make this plain. Look in 1 Corinthians. Look what Paul says. Part of Paul's passion in this. Well, so, so why is this so serious, you ask? Why, why, why can't we just define these kind of things? If that's not serious enough, that unless the foundation was addressed, that would have fallen. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 12. When they're talking about the role of God's servants and how you had these false teachers coming in that were not building on the foundation of the gospel, Paul is reflecting and saying, if you don't have the foundation right, the rest of the building will fall. And here's what he says, what's going to happen in that process. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15. He says it this way. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another built on it. So he, did it. he paid attention to proper rootedness, unlike the tower. He paid attention to the rootedness that Paul was establishing for the church. Okay, so he was rooting it properly. Look what happens. For no one, he says, oh wait, hold on, I'm sorry, but each one is to be careful how he builds on it. So it's there, but be careful how you build on it. For no one can lay another, uh, any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by what? Fire. fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. My role, my job, my plea as a pastor is that we get this foundation right. That when I teach, when we engage in the one another's, that we are getting this foundation right. If we don't, when we come before the Lord on judgment day, that will be burned up. 
I may have had a great purpose here on earth, but that will be burned up when Jesus comes again if it is not rooted in proper foundation. Here's what he says. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. Let that just sit with you for a second. We will experience loss before the king of kings. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation, as we're about to read. But sometimes we got to sit with that and say, Lord, what am I pursuing as my purpose? He goes, here's the thing, but he himself will be saved. So it's not talking about losing your salvation, but it's talking about you will not experience. You will experience loss. There will be joy and rejoicing when Jesus comes again and takes us his own. But there is a sense of experiencing stewardship judgment of what you did. Was it rooted on the proper foundation? Or is it just going to eventually fall when Christ comes? And so this is where he says, and he says, we'll be saved, but only as through fire. Kind of sobers us up. So here's what, what we get at. Let's look at this model real quick. What I want you guys to see about, here's the thing what he's saying is you have a thing called, called God's foundational purpose. God's foundational purpose. Then if you look at the outworking, you have the outworking of God's foundational purpose. For this model, what he's saying is if you, like the tower, take your identity and definitive foundational purpose in this, it could be distorted. Does that make sense? And what he's saying is that he wants to look at how do we develop God's foundational purpose that then informs the outworking of God's foundational purpose. So if we don't understand God's foundational purpose, we'll be running from thing to thing and with no guarantee that this is actually silver, gold. It might actually be wood, hay, and stubble. Right? And so we have to make sense of this. So, so today what we need to look at, Paul is saying, look, in the church in Rome, he's laying out in this book in Rome uh, that he writes to the, uh, the, the church in Rome. He says this, Paul is laying out gospel identity and gospel purpose in the life of the church. In chapter 8, context for chapter 8 where we are today, he's laying out how Christ frees us from condemnation. Right? We're saved if you're in Jesus. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Nothing you did. All what Jesus did on the cross. We're saved because of his work. We didn't deserve it. We're in a broken world. We're leaning towers. Right? And all over. But we didn't deserve nothing. As Jesus came and took on flesh in a bunch of leaning towers and said, I'm going to change your foundation. <laughs> That's what he does. So then he goes in and he says, watch, he says he frees us. And there is what? From condemnation. And he empowers us with his Holy Spirit to experience daughtership and sonship in the midst of a world that is not fully reflecting God's purpose. He still, Emmanuel, takes on flesh and does what is needed to bring us into his presence and his purpose. You have creation not reflecting his purpose, chapter 8 says. Creation's yearning. You have suffering the church is enduring. You have the tension of anticipating being with the Lord while walking in faith in a very fallen world where disappointment abounds at times. You see that? So, so he goes in and he's saying, um, Paul knows that in a world that is not fully reflecting God's purpose, it could be discouraging and confusing trying to make sense of purpose in life. Amen? It's, it's hard. 
Hey, we're trying to figure this out, and, and what's happening is that so many things around us is trying to define your purpose by this. And then what happens is sometimes uh, we mishear God, we run after a purpose, or we hear God, and we mishear, and we, we get away from purpose, and all of a sudden what began potentially by faith is now not reflecting his intended purpose because we have forgotten the foundational purpose. So we're going to talk about that today. What is this foundational purpose? And so in order to begin to make sense of lasting purpose, we need to understand a few things. The first thing is in verse 28. We need to understand that God uses all things to shape you in his purpose. God uses every single thing to shape you in his purpose. Look what he says. Look at verse 28. We know... We know, that's a good word, right? We know, that is a word that gets at, we knew at one point it became real. And the, the understanding of how it still works out from an experiential data perspective still runs through today. So because he worked it out before, doesn't mean he's done with it. He still is working out everything for, all, working out all things together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. This is interesting right here. In other words, what he's getting at is, look at it. Those who love God, the text says, right? And, and those who are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. So now we have to ask, well, what's the good? Well, if the minute that Christ saved you, here's what he says. He, he is working out all things according to his purpose, Okay. Not according to your purpose, according to his purpose. In other words, those who love God and called according to his purpose are set on a specific trajectory that is consistent with God's foundational purpose. Did you catch that? Yeah. The minute he saves us, we are set on a trajectory that is consistent with his foundational purpose. Okay? So he's saying, in other words, here's a way to look at this, it is he puts you on a path of shaping you in a way that is consistent with that foundational purpose, okay? He says, that's what he's about. So we have to ask, when it comes to what is God's purpose for me, how do I make decisions? We have to ask with the question, do we believe that God is going, has a foundational purpose for us? Okay, so let's flesh this out some. All the work that Jesus did in his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection was never designed simply to get you into heaven and then let you decide what you want your purpose to be. That's, that's a hard word, right? It was never, he never designed to do that, okay? And, and what happens is that we can't even begin to function in the freedom God gives us to make decisions, as we'll talk about next week, unless and until we understand what this foundational purpose is, okay? So in other words, you don't get saved then choose what your foundation trajectory is in life. Now I'm in heaven, now I can do whatever I want. I can define my purpose whatever I want. God says, no, 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 you're according to his purpose. He's working according to his purpose. That's what he's working all things towards. Not what you want him to do for you, but what he has designed for your life based on what he saved you for. Does that make sense? That's what he's going after. Right? We have to ask the question, Jesus, what are you after? And we got to chase after that by his grace. 
or else we're running all around and we're scattered. We ain't reflecting Jesus to no one. We let individualism reign. We make decisions on these things. We get caught up in sin. Then it turns to deceit. And they're like, well, Jesus told me to do this. Yeah, he may have, but somehow along the road, you have lost your foundational purpose. And beware, as the author of Hebrews says, lest you drift because you've lost sight of Jesus and his purpose for us. All right? That's part of saying Lord and Savior. When we say Savior, well, you saved me from my sins, but is he your Lord? All right? He knows what's best for us. He does. So we end up getting in that place where uh, when we lose the foundation, we're kind of like this story here. Um, is uh, there's this, this children's story called, Are You My Mother? Has anybody heard of that with your kids? All right, Are You My Mother? So simply put, this, in this, um, this, this bird is born in a nest on a tree, and when it's about to come forth and, and to break out and hatch out of the egg, the mom says, oh, I need to go get some food for my, for my, my child, right, or whatever you call a, a little bird. Chick, thank you. I'm going to call my chick, right? <laughs> I'm over to go provide some food for my chick, all right? And so, anyways, uh, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. But, uh, but yeah, so, so she goes and flies off. Here's the interesting thing about the bird. There's a whole story to it, but, but the, bird ends up, uh, the bird ends up in search for an identity and purpose. Because mom wasn't there, the bird goes on this search, and the bird asks, goes to animals and goes to even diggers and machines and lands on them and is with them and saying, are you my mother? And every single time, the person or the thing says, no, I'm not your mother. I'm a cow, right? I'm a, I'm a digger. I'm a, and, and right, the list goes on. It says, are you my mother? And they say, no, no, no. And so the, the bird, as it continues on, is asking everything this question, are you my mother? And interesting is that nothing ever sounded like the purpose for which the bird was created. The bird didn't begin to understand its purpose until it met its mother and began to learn from being in her presence and watching her. You see, see the bird, we're kind of like the bird sometimes, is that we're born in Christ and then we leave the nest because the horizon is huge out there. And we go and search are you my purpose? Are you my purpose? Are you my purpose? I go to jobs. Are you my purpose? I go to relationship. Are you my purpose? I, I, I go to, to, uh, to a home. Are you my purpose? I, I, you think about the things that you run to and saying, are you my purpose? I go to, if I could get 100,000 likes on this, then that's my purpose. What is it that you run to? And here's the thing about it. Those things you run to are usually not bad unless they are explicitly out of God's desire and will. But some of these things, they're not bad. The problem is like the bird we're running around and asking, are you my purpose? Are you my purpose? And what's happened is that we haven't taken the time to actually be in the nest and learn what is God's foundational purpose for us. Because if the bird stuck around, right, the chick was there and was able to get impartation and understanding from its mother, then what would happen is they would understand, I can fly. This is who I am. This is my identity. And that would then define the outworking of the purpose. Are you following? The problem is we don't even have a beginning place for the outworking of purpose in many of our lives because we haven't 
founded rootedness in the foundational purpose. All right? And so here's what, here's what happens. When we do this here is what often happens when we run and try to find purpose in activities roles. Here's some examples of thinking about. Every time somebody brings up our past, we would live in the fear that it would disqualify us from any good purpose, so let's hide and avoid it. Okay? Every time somebody tells us that we didn't get the job, it would devastate our sense of identity and purpose, and so we stop trying. Every time that relationship didn't work out, it would arise the fear that somehow God's purpose isn't happening. That's probably the biggest struggle I struggle with. God, your purpose isn't happening, right? If you can't go to that meeting due to sickness or family dynamics, then somehow purpose won't be fulfilled. God, I, I need to be there. God, I need to do this. I'm supposed to be here and to do this. And, and we're missing and we're running to so many other solutions to try to deal with that purpose. But here's the thing. Finding purpose in the outworking of activity will always leave you fearful, anxious, hiding, frail, fickle, amongst other things. Why? Because they're rooted in trying to find purpose in our un own understanding and effort and in man's assessment of what contributes toward the purpose you desire. If we, it, it will fail because it doesn't see the big picture of the foundational purpose. It will fall. But here's what Jesus did come when we think about this text. What Jesus did in his death and resurrection was designed to shape you in God's purpose. Did you catch that? It's designed to shape you in God's purpose. For the Christian, you don't have to run around trying to find your purpose. Does that make sense? The more we try to run and say, is this my purpose? Are you my purpose? And what happens is that we end up falling apart. And our life ends up getting all dis disheveled. And, and we're like, God, like, I just don't understand your purpose for me. And sometimes it's an invitation to say, let's come back to the foundational purpose. Let's come back to what I am going after in the life of every single believer. See, he's already called you to a foundational purpose in Christ that he is using everything. Here's the guarantee of this promise. He is using everything in your life, not to just put a stamp of approval on you running around chasing are you my purpose, but he is working everything together for that foundational purpose. Did you catch that? He's working everything together to accomplish the foundational purpose in your life. Because if he could get the foundational purpose life right, then the outworking begins to imitate that foundation. Is this making sense? All right. So in other words, in redemption, he flips the intended purpose of the sufferings of the world, the attacks of the enemy, even your past failures and mistakes, and will use them to shape you toward his purpose that he has for you. Yeah. Here's the thing about it. He doesn't do it when we're sitting in unrepentance and living in deceit, thinking, God, bless my purpose. That's what's so heretical about much of the teaching about inspiration. You can live your best life now. Live out all your dreams. If it neglects the foundational purpose, be careful, church, that it's not hay, wood, and stubble, and it doesn't bring glory to Christ. This is what God sobers us into, doesn't he? He begins to look at it and say, it's key to know that in Christ... He's going to use everything. You don't have to, when you're in Jesus, you don't have to hide anything. It feels like the enemy has the upper hand. 
It feels like it's difficult. It feels like it's stretching, and it is. But what God guarantees is saying, yo, if you could just begin to assess and understand the foundational purpose, then you will see that I'm going to do everything in your past, present, future to work towards that end for you. And so here, here's an example. Look at Joseph. Take Joseph, for example. Joseph had a big dream, right? But he had youthful character. Joseph had this dream. If you remember the story in Genesis, he has these visions that basically his brothers and all people are bowing before him. So he takes this dream, right? And I think God speaks in dreams. God speaks through, through he, he, oh, we're going to talk about that next week, okay? But here's the thing. He says, unless the foundational purpose is set, then what happens is you could easily act like Joseph, where Joseph went around kind of like, he's like this braggadocious little boy going up to his brothers and saying, you're going to serve me and bow to me one day. Why? Because he was going about what God was going to purpose for his life. He was going about it in a way that, that was deficient of formation and character. Here's what happens. Joseph gets sold into bondage in Egypt. As he's there, he gets, look at the things that happen to him. Um, he goes through betrayal by his brothers he, to, to, get, to, to be sold there. He's, he goes through beatings, slander, improper imprisonment, all the while not understanding what it would lead to other than the fact that God was still with him. He didn't understand what all this was going about. Lord, you just gave me this, this dream. But he didn't have the foundational purpose to steward it. So God in his sovereignty, we still don't understand how God just allows, he works in a broken world according to his purpose. But what he does is he takes Joseph in, and as he's shaping Joseph through this, at the end of Genesis, when his brothers are fearful about how are they going to treat Joseph, God had worked in all of that stuff to not only put Joseph in the position of living out God's purpose for him, but he worked on his character in the foundational purpose so Joseph can say this to his brothers who betrayed him deeply. Here's what he says. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. You see, God is passionate about using whatever happens in life, suffering, betrayal, disappointment, his timing. He uses that in a fallen, broken world. And he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I got purpose for you. I got some things for you. But unless I can have you assess and understand what I'm passionate about, you won't be able to enjoy and experience what Joseph did. He points to the work of Christ, who then frees us to now he works this out in all of our lives. So in other words, he says, look, stop running to all these other purposes and begin to let Jesus begin to inform you about his foundational purpose. He'll use all of the stuff to build that up. And here's what. So why is it? Why is he laying out? What is his foundational purpose? It is so simple, but it's so profound. Next point in verse 29. God's purpose is to conform you into the image of Jesus, period. That is his foundational purpose. You're like, well, what does that mean? I don't understand that. Well, here's the thing. In verse 29, let's see what God's word said, because I would never make something like this up. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> that makes sense? But God's, God's foundational purpose is to conform you into the image of his son. Here's what he says in verse 29. For those he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his who? Son. 
so that he, the son, would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He's about grabbing a family, y'all. And as part of grabbing a family, God is saying, for those he foreknew, this for is interesting here, y'all. We have to look at, for Bible study methods, whenever there's a for there, you have to say, what is this like building? What is this justifying? What, what is it substantiating in the previous text? So he says, God's going to work it all out for the good. So you say, what is the good? The good is to be conformed to the image of his son. So he's working it together for the good. And he's saying, because he foreknew and predestined. In other words, before he knew, before we were even created, he decided to have a relationship with us. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like before we were even created or born, he chose to establish a relationship before it ever happened. My God. That is crazy. So, in other words, it has the hint of election that dispels any notion of human engineering intellectual will. There's nothing I did for God to save me. It's all him. And so then he goes out, he says, so he foreknew, but he also, those whom he foreknew, he predestined. In other words, he decided beforehand that he would conform you into the image of Christ. Do you see the purpose there? He didn't save you to do what you want. Here's the problem. When we do what we want out of sin and flesh, it never satisfies. The world says, be free. Do what you want. In your freedom, follow the flesh. That's freedom, right? That's what the world says. Go have freedom. And then what he's saying here is like, no, 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 we know the outcome. It's going to be a tower that falls. Don't let that stuff bamboozle you into that. He says, rather, he's, he says, look, God knows what's best. Y'all, sometimes in this question of purpose, we just got to remember that God knows what's best. Like, we in, in a fallen, broken world, that there's nothing else to remind us. It's that, man, he, he gave his only son so that we could be conformed into his son's image because we as humans could never imitate it that way. So he calls us into this. And so, in other words, what, he, what he's about is we are set apart in Christ with the intent purpose of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm trying to grab a whole bunch of brothers and sisters. Jesus being our big brother, our king, our God, our Lord. He's saying, I'm about, to, I'm about to be the big brother and grab a whole bunch of siblings, right? Because if I could get, as God did, if I could get people to be Jesus Christ lookalikes, then my family will actually reflect what I desire on planet Earth. If I could get Jesus Christ lookalikes. So God's number one intention of working everything, past, present, future, sin, shame, uh, sin against, woundedness, if he, he will use all of that with the intense purpose of letting you express the image of, G, of Jesus to the world. That's what his purpose is. I need some Jesus Christ lookalikes. It's like when, um, man, when I go down uh, 10 and get off on Crenshaw, um, I love it. I, I, y'all know, uh, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about maybe. There's a guy who collects a whole bunch of stuff. Okay? Yeah, you see, yep. So he collects all this stuff. It's disposable, dispensable stuff in people's eyes. 
It would never serve a purpose that they wanted to serve. So they discard it. See? And so what happens though is he takes, he has a visionary picture of what he wants to communicate through his art. And he takes all of these things, all this stuff that everybody says that's trash, that's disposable, it doesn't serve a purpose, he takes it and makes it beautiful. And it reflects the message that he is trying to communicate. That's what God does. He takes us. The world kicked us out. The world says you're nothing. Satan says you're shame. How dare you? You're wounded. No one can use you anymore. You're to be kicked out. So don't try to do that anymore. Don't endure in that. You're, you don't have purpose according to the world. And God is saying, but I'm in the business in my son and taking the trash heap. I'm in the business of saying what the world will throw out and say they have no business serving a purpose. And God says, I'm going to grab all y'all and I'm going to refurbish you and restore and redeem you in my son. And I'm bringing all that junk in your life and I'm going to use it to make you beautiful. I'm going to use it to shape you. I'm going to use it to form you. And that's what God is up to. Isn't the gospel amazing? Isn't Jesus booming? And it's what he called. So if you can settle, if we can settle in our minds that our purpose is to become more like Jesus, then it doesn't matter what happens in my life. My purpose isn't shook because God is going to use it to accomplish his purpose of making me more like Jesus. Did you grab that? If I am getting the core correct, if I am understanding that, let's call that up real quick, Andrew, this next picture of the core. If I am understanding this God's foundational purpose, which is, as we read, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what he's doing because he's not about our picture. He's about his redemptive picture. If he can do this, then guess what happens? He begins to take the mess and shape me more into the image of Christ. As he's shaping me more in the image of Christ, guess what begins to happen? I then am working out God's intended purpose. Does that make sense? I'm working out God's intended purpose. Where he says this in 2 verse 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You cannot know or live out these good works unless you're being conformed to the image of his son. Because when you're reflecting the image of the son that God is passionate about doing in all areas of your life, disappointment, pain, shame, fear, the cross then says, I'm doing that. Because if I could do that, you will reflect me again in what you do in, the, in your purpose. You see, and that's what, that's what God is going after. And here's the thing as we wrap up with this. God's purpose is guaranteed. This is the good news about it. Look at verse 30. He says, God's purpose is guaranteed. And those he predestined, he also called. Okay? Predestined, we talked about that call. This is an effectual call. When he calls you, he doesn't fail in it. When he opens your eyes to Jesus, it's going to happen. And those he called, he also justified. He made right through the blood of Christ. Okay? Hey, those who have been justified by faith, believe in Jesus, he, gave, he gives you peace. Romans 5.1 says. Right? And then, and those he justified, he also glorified. Glorified is another fancy term that says you're going to share in Christ's resurrection when he comes again. You're going to have a resurrected body. In other words, he's saying, look, the fullness of your salvation and everything that is happening to where you are completely conformed to the image of Jesus is already done in Christ. Did you catch that? 
It's already done. Like the minute you trusted him, these words, the way this verse 30 is set out, is designed to say all that stuff, though it will happen eventually with glorification, all this stuff happened at once, positionally. It's already done. So, to not let Christ form us and begin to understand that Jesus, we ask questions like this. Jesus, how are you using this to conform me into your image? Because guess what? If you, if you let him conform you into his image and stop running, then you will actually discern what he wants you to do. Make sense? He has stuff, big purpose for each y'all. But unless we understand foundational purpose, we won't know how to access and walk in that. Make sense? And so then, here's the thing. The fact that this is going to happen, it's going to happen, but now we're in the season where he's working this out. He's working it out called sanctification. He's working it out. He's making us more like his son so that we can walk in what he has for us to walk in properly. See, this is good news when you go through difficulty and wondering how can God work in this. This is good news when some unintended tragedy smacks you and you are caught off guard. This is good news when the purpose you thought you were on is not working out in our timing. This is also sobering when we think that we can define our purpose through our preferences. But as we wait for this to, this to come to pass and the glorification, we get to experience the joy of growth as we surrender to God's process of growing us through our mechanisms. He has created mechanisms for us to grow in his foundational purpose, right? Here, here's the thing, and I want to show you guys this real quick. As we are going to talk about how this is worked out next week, as we're going to talk about God's purpose and how do we do, how do we begin to make decisions and discern stuff on the outworking, here's the thing. There are rhythms that we need to engage with, not because it's the philosophy of the church, but because this is what New Testament discipleship sees and is. In other words, here's where we need to be as a church and a church plant. Discipleship for us to be a growing disciple where we are growing in the image of Christ, there needs to be the up component where we are literally, we are connecting to Jesus. There needs to be an out component. Oh, nice. So there needs to be the connecting to Christ, which is the Christ-centeredness. The in component, we need to be connecting to one another. Okay? The out component is we need to be connecting to mission. So up and out, this is the rhythm whereby God has set up in his church where we are conformed into the image of Christ. We're aware of that. We're growing in that. We're understanding that this is what needs to continue to happen and grow at Epiphany LA for us to reflect what Jesus desires in his purpose. If we're going to pursue Christ's purpose, we got to understand foundational purpose and we got to jump in rhythms of discipleship. Okay, let's go to the next one real quick here. So here's the thing about this. I think there's one more, right? Oh, that's, we combine them in that? Okay, cool, cool. So as you can see, even our core values are within up and out. Everything we are doing is about teaching us to connect to Jesus and spend time with him, right? And so it's, it's connecting to Christ. In other words, it's surrender to the fact that Jesus knows what is best for you. I need to be at his feet. I don't understand it all. I, I lament. I listen. I hear. I need to be in community. That's the next one. In. I need to be connecting to the body where I'm living out the one another's. Right? I need to be living out what that looks like in life communities. I need to be looking at ways to fan my gifts to flame to build up the body, which are a part of serve teams. 
right? I, I, need, I need to be grown in that. The out, I need to be engaging as we're doing corporate outreaches. And what we're going to do is we're going to lay out gospel engagement and work in our neighborhoods this year. So God has called us to do these three areas whereby that's the context. I'm putting some meat onto the reality that God will use everything to shape you into the image of Christ. Church, we need to rest in that. Whatever you desire, run with it, but don't ever lose the fact that however God works in a fallen world, he's going to use it to accomplish his foundational purpose in your life. That's what he's after. Father, as we, um, Lord, as we reflect upon this reality, Lord, we rejoice. We rejoice over the fact that you give us the grace, Lord, to begin to say, Father, there may be some tilting areas in my life. For some of us, we have been running to different things and asking, are you my purpose? Are you my purpose? This has got to be my purpose. This has got to be my purpose. And each and every time, those opportunities may dry up. And it's God's loving kindness to say, I need to remind you of the foundational purposes in Christ. And so, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, that where, um, where we've been doing the tower, that today we would surrender. Lord, we surrender to, the, to you the times of just seeking after those things and saying, Lord, if I'm becoming more like you through the context of the up and out, then I'm walking in foundational purpose. Father, root us in asking that question. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't like it. But how are you using this to make me more like Jesus? Help me to believe that. And Father, I pray that you would bring us along that so that we would be a church that is being out, out, uh, living out your purpose because of a rootedness of Jesus. I want to take a minute. If you're at a place where you just need some prayer um, and you're at a place where Christ needs to remind you of his steadfast love, I just want you to lay it down at the cross today. Surrender it to Jesus. Let him speak into it. So Lord, today we surrender to you. Father, forgive us for the times when we have tried to pursue identity in idolatrous ways. Lord, you're fulfilling your purpose for each and every one of us. It's a done deal. But sometimes we can't see it unless we embrace what you are doing in our life. And so we surrender today. Lord, as we prepare our hearts and minds for communion, I pray that we would be reminded that the gospel set us on this trajectory by grace alone to be conformed to the image of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So let's go ahead and pass out communion here. Take this here. Um, when you have it, let's go ahead and, uh, once you grab it, reflect, but go ahead and stand. And, um, and we'll sing together unto the King.
misma.